Today's show is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. Check them out at www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard. That's www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of Dash Radio and Sage Digital. Let's go! Alright everybody, welcome to the 110th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, here in Rip City, and I got my man... Sage, chilling here. 110 episodes, my friend. That is a commitment. It's always cool when the podcast number gets to a, a zero place. We get to start all over again, and it's, it's pretty crazy to do 110 episodes with you, bro. And likewise, and it's even more fun to do the episodes when the Blazers are red hot and rolling. Uh, just recording immediately after Portland picks up their 13th consecutive victory, uh, the Blazers had themselves quite a week, Sage. Um, you look, it starts out with three home games against Eastern Conference foes, ended tonight in, in Los Angeles. They handle business Monday against the Heat, 115.99. Thursday against LeBron and the Cavs, 113-105. Saturday against uh, the Pistons, who really had their number for, for quite some time. Handled them by double figures as well, 100-87. And then tonight, they finish the, the four-game week uh, with the sweep. The sweep of LA in LA, 122-109 against a team really fighting for their playoff lives. And, you know, Sage... This 13-game win streak, it, it, it's real. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know many people who saw this coming, but... Absolutely not, man. There were some... Of course, there were some teams that you knew we were going to beat, but then there's games that, you know, we pull it out. And, you know, if we looked at the schedule in November, we would say some of these games that we won happened to be losses, for sure. I mean, like... Some of those teams that we played have our number. They have the recipe to dominate the Blazers, but the Blazers found a way to win those games, and that's 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 really important. And they're coming against teams that are coming for our spot. Mm-hmm. We have the spot. We are fighting off, you know, all contenders right now, and I think that's what makes it so sweet. You know, we aren't really beating up against the, you know, the sisters of the poor. You know, we've only. I would say of these wins, really only the Kings and the Knicks, you'd be like, yes, you have to beat them. Every single other game has been, this This could go uh, a different way. And Portland has really focused and they are getting contributions really from everyone. Of these 13 wins, what are some that have really stood out to you? Maybe it's just recency, but that Clippers game... You know, they made their runs. There was a player, uh, Montrez Harold, who got busy. That game, maybe based on just recency bias, they played really well, and everybody played. Uh, everyone that played did well. Like, Mo Harkless, Nurk had a double-double. Uh, Bazzi took control of that game. It wasn't just our two stars. Our uh, role players helped. I would say there's 
three that have stood out in my mind. The first one, actually, shit. Now that I, that I look at it, there there are four games, it, and it, it started with that Golden State game on Valentine's Day because we were coming off a disappointing nineteen point loss to the Utah Jazz. And we didn't want to go into the extended all-star break with a sour taste in our mouths. You know, Damian goes uh, head-to-head with Durant. Durant gets 50. Dame gets 44. But we outdueled the Warriors at full strength, um, 123-117. The other, there's, you know, of the other four, the next one on the docket has to be that game immediately after the all-star break. You know, you're bookending these games at Utah. They had won 11 straight at the time. They were the hottest team in the league. They just handed us our ass earlier in the month in Portland, and we go down there and we shut shit down. I mean, that team, that team is just as on fire as we are right now. I think they're twenty-one and two or twenty-two and two, something ridiculous over the last you know twenty-plus games, and they are fighting for home court advantage as well. And to go into an arena that we traditionally do not play well in and lock them up to eighty-one and blow them out by nineteen was amazing. Um, then obviously you have to look at that Laker game. Um, I thought it was going to be a loss. I think a lot of people knew it was going to mm-hmm. be tough. The Lakers were seven and three over their last ten heading into that. I believe at that time still probably had aspirations of climbing up to that eighth seed, and it was just an unreal performance from an MVP candidate in Damian Lillard. That two minute stretch where he hit four straight three pointers is something that is going to go down in Trailblazers lore for a long time, and fans will not forget that uh, for for probably the rest of their lives. That is just going to be a moment. He pulled out from the R in Lakers and drained a three pure. He That, that was insane. And, yeah, like, that definitely had to be one of those games because the the, the, the Lakers were, you know, there was, like, that 1% chance if you look at, like, basketball reference or whatever that they would make it the playoffs so they they you know they want to look good for suitors in the free agency market so they of course they'd like to win but dame didn't let that shit happen and i think the last game that really stood out to me and it really made this winning streak feel real it made this team feel real was the second golden state game to beat this team twice in less than a span of what 20 days 23 days. I mean, I know they were without Steph, but they still had Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, and we took it to them. We took their best punch, had an incredible third end of the third quarter, and then Damon CJ took over, and that was just an amazing performance where we're like, okay, the third seed, it really could happen, because at that point, we had got up to the third seed, but we all saw the schedule. We all knew it was coming. But for us to get that victory and cement ourselves as a legitimate, you know, top five team in the league, that's when I was like, okay, we are going to go 4-0 this week on the podcast. And I felt really confident. It wasn't just a 4-0 week because we were going to, you know, on a winning streak. And I, I felt like I had, I felt like I had to predict the Blazers victory. I looked at these teams and I think Portland is better than you. And I, I, Portland really did a great job if we want to go into the Miami game. Um, you know, one trend that they have been doing frequently, they didn't do it tonight, thankfully, is they would get a 16, 17-point lead in that fourth quarter, and they would, for whatever reason, 
just lay off the gas just a tad, and the other team... They would make their run. They would make their runs. You're exactly... Uh, Miami got it to within three. Uh, Cleveland got it to within three. I think Detroit got it to within six or seven. And for all the times you say no, 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 Alfred Pumino was yes, yes, yes. He hit some massive threes down the stretch. And Sage, he has to, he has to be one of the keys moving forward because we've seen after Dame kind of went superhuman, Teams are throwing two, three guys at him, and it's up to Mo, Evan, and Chief to keep him honest. Yeah. I mean, but Al Farouk, for most of this year, of course, he's had his off streets, off uh, off nights where he's not hitting the backboard, even if he tries. But let's be real. Al Farouk Aminu has been our th- third most consistent player for like 70, 80% of the year. It's true. But when you see that jump shot, it's got a lot of arc on it. Oh, I totally thought at the trade, or at the, well, I guess the trade deadline works, but at the all-star break, I was like, this regression to the mean is gonna be a brutal motherfucker for us, because we've depended on him. We've needed him to hit those shots. When is he gonna turn into the Alfaruk Aminu that doesn't have any touch? But it, I mean, it's happened but it hasn't been like detrimental to anything that the Blazers are trying to do. He's hitting threes at a pretty good rate still. And what I think is most impressive about this this current week is Dame is getting his, but it's very quiet. And it's not it's not a loud nuclear boom of him getting forty five on your head. No, he's he's frankly not shooting particularly well. 8 of 19 against Miami, 7 of 20 against Cleveland, 6 of 19 against Detroit, and 6 of 13 against Los Angeles. But he's doing two things that have allowed this team to win while he's not playing his best basketball. One, he's getting to the free throw line. He is, in this four-game stretch, he went, I believe he had 37 free throws. He made 36 of those. So he got to the line at least nine times in each of the four games. It, that's like top that's, five that's player right there. Yeah, that, that's like James Harden uh, getting to the free throw line. And he doesn't flop. He, a thing with him was he didn't react with that swift head movement like some people in Houston do. Like, he would go in straight and then absorb the contact. And then when he does that, sometimes refs don't really think he's getting it hit as much as he does. But now he, like... It might be because he's not shooting as well. He's just attacking the hoop and getting to the line. And the other thing he's doing extremely well is he is making teams beat them from double from doubling him. Um, he had 10 dimes against Miami, 9 against Cleveland, 8 against uh, Detroit, and he only had 2 tonight, but he really only played 31. Portland really, their bench did a great job they, against they, the Clippers. They, they didn't need him that much in the, the, the game against the Clippers. And he's controlling the basketball. He is, his assist-to-turnover ratio would make Chris Paul blush right now. 10-3 um, to 3 against Miami, 9-2 uh, to 2 against Cleveland, and 8-1 eight, eight to one against Detroit. He is doing a fantastic job on that pick-and-roll, whether it's probing like a Steve Nash. He did that for a Mo Harkless or an Evan Turner three-pointer, excuse me, tonight against um, the Clippers. I mean, he's finding Nurk down low for those layups. He is turning into more of a, oh, 
overall well-rounded point guard. I, I would more say, cerebral. Yes, I would. Is what I would say. I would say up to this point in his career, he has been a scoring point guard, and that's fine because he's the best point guard this franchise has had. But he is elevating himself into that Chris Paul way of beating you, while also being able to flamethrow it from from outside. So he's really, you know, a multi-dimensional guard that's downright unstoppable right now. I mean, the way he's controlling the game. All of the attention he is receiving from the defenses is just making life so much easier for his teammates. And to his teammates' credit, they are—they're hitting shots. The door is open. Opportunity is knocking. Mm-hmm. They are letting—they are letting opportunity in because I mean, Mo Harkless looking like an animal tonight. Um, Chief, we talked about the big threes. You know, Ed and Zach doing great things. Um, Bazzy, Bazzy. You know, CJ. Just the, the list goes on and on, but it's. It's impressive to me that they're winning when Dame is not having to really put the team on his back, which you know he did against Los Angeles, he did against Golden State, you know, he did it against Minnesota. Um, that was not a sustainable way of a win streak, and I think this is more of, I think this is more evidence that this team is for real rather than oh man, you know Dame's just you know he's having one of those stretches, he's going out of his mind. That's why they're doing it. Well, that's how it started, but I think the defense has really, really stepped up, and we look like a complete team right now. The The thing that I've been seeing the most is we're we're ending possessions with rebounds. Like, I, we've been boxing out, teams have been, bo- our team has boxed out, and are, are getting the boards. I think we're number one in rebounding in during this, during, after the All-Star break. Like that ending possessions, not letting teams get that second and third shot is really great. We are number one in in the league in rebounding, and we were going up against a big front line tonight, and we out-rebounded them 47-38. Um, our defensive rating, I believe, is second only to Utah since the All-Star break as well. And we saw Portland win a game with defense flat out um, this week, too. I believe it was the the Detroit Pistons game where we held them to 87 points. You know, that's a team that really I thought was going to give us much more trouble with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, but Stan Van Gundy is not really utilizing that team correctly. You know, if they're going to dump it into Blake Griffin and just let him pound the shit out of the basketball, I'll take my chances with the meaning on him. Because every you watch that possession, every one of the four other Pistons were just standing around. They were not active on the glass. They weren't cutting. It was just Blake going one-on-one, and he really wasn't getting a, a good look. And I think we need to give Aminu really a lot of credit because he did an amazing job this week of all of the people he had to defend. When you talk about LeBron James and Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris and even a little bit of Montrezl Harrell. I mean, he his defensive prowess... I would be hard pressed to, for him not to make one of the all, all defensive teams. His defense has been really, really good, and I mean, when you when you can slow down players like LBJ and Blake Griffin, you're doing a damn good job. I, I mean, like I would be, I would feel fine if he had to guard like you know a dynamic shooting guard or something like that in the future. He is definitely earning his his money. Are are you thinking that he is so valuable valuable to the team that we would sign him to a contract once this one's up in a year? 
I mean, a lot has to play out. I mean, we're still, we could still theoretically miss the playoffs. You know, knock on wood. I mean, nothing is, is signed, sealed, and delivered yet. I mean, I've always said that players make their money in the postseason. So if he is able to continue to knock these shots down, help us win, help us secure home court advantage in the first round, hopefully that third seed. And if he plays well and gets us out of the, you know, the first round, if he's one of those pieces that you're like, we cannot let this guy go. You know, if he has another good contract here, I definitely want to see, you know, Aminu come back. That versatility that he provides is really important for us when we have a, you know, let's be honest, two short guards, you need defensive versatility and honestly he's provided shooting. So he has offensive versatility now too. Like th- th- this has been a very good year for Alfred Camino. You know, the only way I would say that maybe Aminu doesn't come back is if you know, kid, someone offers if a kid from Akron, Ohio, decides to take his <laughs> take his talents to uh, you know the Rose City. <laughs> what do you what do you make of all of the hoopla surrounding LeBron? You know, with Trailblazing doing a GoFundMe for the billboards. You know, he had some very, very, very nice words to say about the city, the team, our superstar. Uh, you know he's at least keeping an eye on this team right now. Well, I mean, he's a smart businessman. If there's an opportunity that presents himself to win another chip, be, in, be closer to, you know, the West Coast, I'm sure he's thinking about it, but I can't get my hopes up. We, <laughs> the thing about Portland is we don't get many free agents, so I, I, I don't think we're going to get the biggest free agent ever. But I think it's cool that people are engaged, and this winning streak is like creating a lot of cool fan content. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's fun to think about, and realistically, I think Portland would have to either take the Warriors or Rockets to seven in the second round, or maybe even get to the Western Conference Finals, and then he, he he probably would be able to think, okay, this team is me is is a me caliber person to win. Exactly. Yeah. But it's looking at this team, if you still look at them, fifth overall best record in the league, they have a possibility of catching Boston for, for that for the fourth best record if we're just talking about overall records and the NBA. It's not out of the question to say if Portland had LeBron James, we would be the odds-on favorite to win the title this year. He is that good. Yeah. And we saw that in that Cleveland game because he was locked in. He had 35, 14, and 6, and, you know, was hitting some amazing shots, taking our our guys off the dribble, and nearly single-handedly got Cleveland a massive comeback victory on the road. I mean, that postgame was popping as well for LeBron, man. I mean, he's just so, so good at basketball. But could you imagine how fun this team would be with Dame, CJ, and Braun, that big three? <laughs> That'd be dope. I mean, your boy's already put down his $100 deposit for half-season tickets next year, so I'm locked in. LeBron, this is my pitch to you. I'm signed up for next year. Why don't you join us? You know, come on. The Blazer Maniacs will treat you better than any other fan base. This this fan base, this town is basketball crazy. We have not had a championship since 1977. We are 41 years dry. You helped Cleveland break their dry spell. I think uh, I 
think you could do the same in Portland. You get you another jersey in a rafter. If you're already getting your jersey hung up in Cleveland, Miami, why don't you make it the trifecta? Be the only person to have your jersey retired in three different arenas. Is number six available, or would he go twenty three here? I mean, that's the real question. He could go twenty three. I'm sure he could work out something with Baz to get number six. <laughs> I'm just imagining all of the the mixtapes he and Dame can do because didn't he didn't he and Kevin Durant have some like yes. weird freestyle or weird song together where LeBron tried his best Tupac impression? I've never heard it, I've, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so I mean, just think of the mixtapes he and Dame could do as well. That could branch off to their second thing where they take over the music industry as well as basketball. I mean. LeBron, we are. I mean, we're selling it for you. I mean, it's already the opportunities are endless. I know you're a basketball historian. Name a backcourt and include yourself. Name a backcourt better than Dame, CJ, and LeBron James. There is none. I think there is. And then, dog, we got Ed Davis. We got a lot of food trucks. Um. Got hella food. I know you're in the wine. Yeah, I know there's already, Oregon. Oregon. He's already shouted out Oregon Pinos. I mean, think of all. Think of all of the vineyard sponsorships and. Oh, it was LeBron. We are selling this for you. This is. I mean, there are a lot of kids growing up in the '80s and '90s that have never seen their team win a championship. LeBron, you know how that is. You've been there. Why don't you make all of these Oregonians' lives so much better? Join the squad, rep that black and red, and uh, let's get this chip. I know you don't like the Warriors, bruh. You get to see them four times here. That would be insane. I would. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do I, I, if, if LeBron your shit eating grin would be the best. I would have the best <laughs> summer ever. Like, Sage, it would be the best summer ever. Oh, man, like, oh, Dustin Hawes would have to be part of, like, the, the meet, the crew that wait, like, greets LeBron at the airport with signage and stuff like that. Oh, that, like, let, just sign the contract, Lamont. You could just do a one year. So Shit, one year. you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna resign if you stay, get that one year. Just give us a chance. Oh god, <laughs> that would be unreal. <laughs> but so, who would would LeBron just play off ball with Dame? Cut to the hoop. That's the beauty. Or, you have a a CP three James Harden type relationship that I think would be even better because. Dame can play off ball. CJ can play off ball. You have three ball handlers probably on the court at all times, which is so vital in today's league because you just surround them with shooters and versatile defenders, and you essentially have a souped-up version of the Houston Rockets. So who are James uh, LeBron James's homies that we need to sign, like, right now? I mean... Is James Johnson still playing? Or James uh, Jones? James Jones, excuse Ooh. me, James Johnson plays for the Heat. I don't know. I, I, mean, I feel like he needs to make some new homies. He and Ed Davis can build about, like... I feel like he and Ed Davis would get along so well. They would be besties. They would be best. They'd either be besties or absolutely hate each other. Nobody hates Ed Davis. Uh, opposing opposing yeah. power forwards. 
uh, would uh, disagree with that statement, my friend. I feel like Evan Turner and LeBron could actually be pretty cool. <laughs> Everyone loves Evan in the locker room. I don't think Evan Turner would be on the team if we signed LeBron, bro. Probably not, but I'm just saying. Let, let, let's just be real. <laughs> See, it's 2K and he's just going to sign for the, the MLE and we're going to win the, the, ma- win the chip and it's going to be all great. <laughs> I remember one year I did the, the 2K and somehow LeBron ended up on my team and I was so jacked. Uh, ugh. LeBron, just, just, just make our day, man. Uh, these four straight victories, giving Portland 13 straight, what, was there any moment that kind of stood out to you over the week that was maybe an epiphany where you're like, this, this team could, could be a threat in the playoffs? I... There wasn't just one moment. I think I'm just really happy that we've decided to go full bore with rebounding offensive and defensively. I think Shabazz is legitimately a secondary playmaker that could help this team out. I think he's going to have like a a really big impact on on the, the the playoff fortunes for this team. But there's not really that one moment. It's just a collection of like little things that end up to a big thing. I would say a couple of things. The resiliency of this team. Giving up a big lead, but having really the poise to to navigate those waters. And Aminu, especially in the Miami game, he missed the three right, right the possession before. And then comes back and hits it again. Um, I thought that was huge. There was also uh, another three he, he hit from exactly the same spot against the Cavaliers. And then uh, Jason Quick actually pointed this out on one of the, the shows. I think it was Talking Ball after the Cavaliers game. Aminu had just hit the three. He had gotten a stop about two minutes to go. And Dame had a big on him. And normally Dame probably would have just pulled the trigger from three or tried to force the action. But he realized that Evan Turner had Kyle Korver on him. He went to Evan Turner, and he backed him down and got the bucket up eight, essentially sealed that game. So just the high IQ of not only Dame to pull it back out, but for Evan Turner to call for the ball knowing he has a matchup. I thought that was, you know, a sign of an elite team. Like, the great teams make those type of plays. Um, Also, in the the Detroit game, Portland suffocated the Pistons. Um, Stan Van Gundy was irate and just irrational on the sidelines, you know, throwing a tantrum. And, you know, Terry Stotts said before the Clipper game, that was the first time that anyone has ever accused his team of being too physical, you know, too, um, you know, aggressive. And you know, he loved that. And I thought just the aggression we had on defense was unreal and then you go to the Clippers game we essentially had control the entire way but when we would go up you know a 12-0 run Los Angeles would have, would have an 8-0 run and we that happened probably three or four times throughout the course of the game and then Portland finally put the hammer down um I thought it was something that's going to come to play later on this month when we host the Clippers we had nobody to match with Montrez Harrell he got Ed Davis into foul trouble. He got Zach Collins into foul trouble. 
But when Ed Davis fouled out, I think for the one time this year, it was a blessing in disguise because we were able to see Yusuf Nurkic really take his defensive um, game to a whole other level. He was able to use his length to stay with uh, Harold on on the perimeter and, and block his shots a couple of times and really take him out of rhythm. We hit a couple of big threes and, you know, Dame really sat the first eight minutes of that fourth quarter. So the bench extending a lead on the road against a team fighting for their playoff lives, just, again, amazing performance that I really can't praise them enough for because these are all signs of, you know, a team that that looks to be a legit, you know, threat in the Western Conference. You know, I don't know if we're going to have enough to get past a Houston or a Golden State, but we're really fucking good, and I think we need to be proud of it. We need to be proud of that. My question is, when's the last Pat Connaughton game? See, it's been, it's been just like he's the one guy that's consistently struggled. He had that kind of, what was it that that three to end the first quarter against the Knicks? But I'm going back through his. That's like two weeks ago. Last week. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the one that. I think I think the resurgence of Baz and Evan Turner moving to the bench that has really diminished his role. I mean, he has not had a double... I mean, he really never scored in double digits, so I, I can't say that, but... He's really not taking a whole lot of shots. He, yeah, he's... I mean, he was 3 of 6 against OKC, 2 of 4 against the Lakers, but, you know, 1 of 1 against the Heat, 1 of 2 against the Warriors... I mean, he's only playing 12 minutes a night. I mean, he's not, he's just not there. But that's, I think that's okay. We have enough. I think he's willing to sacrifice for a 13-game streak. Yeah, I mean, yes, we've won 13, but that doesn't mean that every single player has to be at their peak for, for that to happen. And, yeah. you know, as long as we get consistent shooting from him when he's in the game, really hard-nosed defense is what Terry Stotts and the coaching staff really have to be asking of him right now is just to, to get it done on that end of the court. Portland's going to be in, in good shape. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be a believer about the three guard lineup against like a majority of teams. The Baz, CJ, Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if we did it against a team like Oklahoma city, for instance, that's probably not our best, but for most teams, they don't, they won't murder us, and our like the our offense will just be so much better than most teams. I, I like to be honest, I wasn't like the biggest fan of it. Yeah, it worked sometimes, but now I'm starting to be like, oh, th- this could be a finishing. Well, when you factor in the lack of a post up game from perimeter players it makes it really easy to put a guy like CJ mm-hmm. or Shabazz on a Wesley Johnson who's who's not going to post up. He's not going to kill whoever's guarding him. I mean, there, there's no more J.R. Riders or Kobe Bryant's, you know, Steve Smith's guys who are really making their, that's their M.O. is down on that block. They're going to destroy you. Uh, unfortunately, that facet of the game has gone away. And if you're a shooting guard out there listening, Work on your back-to-the-basket game. That is a niche that you can really get a huge contract out of. You know, just look at Evan Turner. He does it 
half as good as the guys I mentioned, and he got paid very finely. So Portland is at 44-26. and 26. Obviously, we've talked about the 13-game winning streak. Um, is there any team that you're worried about catching the Trailblazers? Isn't the Utah Jazz on a crazy streak right now as well? Like, they could potentially be there. But, I mean, like, all teams are so close together that, like, shouldn't we worry about all teams going on their run to end the season? I wouldn't worry about the teams necessarily going on. I mean, obviously you don't want them going on a run, but, you know, time is starting. Time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking at 12 games left for the Trailblazers. Six and six gets them 50 wins. Um, if you look at Utah, New Orleans, and San Antonio, they could only lose two games the rest of the year to get to 50 wins. And I just don't think that's viable for any of those teams. Um, that's why I've been, you know, in my head and on the podcast, you know, talking with, you know, friends and coworkers. 50 wins has been that, that magic number for me because just it's a straight numbers game like the nuggets and the clippers already are at 32 losses they cannot they technically can get to 50 wins but i would be highly highly surprised if they went on 12 and 13 game win streaks respectively to close out the Mm -hmm. year and then you look at minnesota they've dropped two straight they now have 31 wins so it just becomes a numbers game and to me the team that i am most worried about is the oklahoma city thunder because they have played a lot of games. Um, I believe they have played two more games than we have. Yeah, it seems like a lot of teams have played two more games than us. And they are 43-29. and 29, And they just had a huge, huge victory in Toronto uh, against the Raptors when Russell Westbrook has really put that team on his back. Um, they've won six straight games after dropping two. They lost to Portland and Houston and have reeled off six straight. You look at Utah, like you said, they have won nine straight. I mean, it's it's really actually maybe a blessing in disguise for the Trailblazers because they see these standings, they see how well teams are playing, and it just adds that extra bit of focus, that extra bit of motivation that we got to keep our shit together. We cannot let this one slip. It seems like if you're just looking at the schedule, Oklahoma City is playing a really tough schedule, so that doesn't scare me as much as, like, it normally would, because it's, like... Well, I'm looking at their schedule, too, and it doesn't look that bad to me. Really? So you're looking at Boston on Tuesday. We don't know the status of Kyrie or Jalen Brand. They've got Miami um, and Portland. And Portland. Portland has their number, but again, that's going to be a tough game for us as well. Um, at San Antonio, yep, the Spurs are definitely tough at home. They've got the Denver Nuggets at home. Denver does not play well on the road. They do have to go to New Orleans. Anthony Davis could give them fits. But I don't see these next two games as being as daunting as they were preseason when you're looking at April 3rd, hosting the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors probably will still be sitting all of their all of their players who are who are out right now. Um, because I think Houston's already going to have that first seed wrapped up. And Surely enough, at Houston is is their next game, and I think the Rockets will have that one seed wrapped up, then they finish with the Heat, and then at the tanking Grizzlies. So, you know, at best, I see... I mean, I don't... Maybe three losses? And that puts them at 32. So again, Portland definitely has to get to that 50-win mark. I mean, that's what makes it so, so important that they keep winning. And I think 
if obviously if Portland beats them on the 25th, I think we can wrap everything up and say Portland's got the third seed on lock. But I mean, it's it's tough to sweep a team 4-0 in a single season, let alone doing it on their home court when you know they're going to be jazzed up to play us. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, man, this end of the year is going to be very interesting with a lot of different reasons, man. Like, is there a team you don't want to see? Let's say we get the third spot, so teams four through nine. Are What are the teams you do want to see and then don't want to see? Hmm. I want to see... So there's three teams I really want to see. And I'm not counting Denver or Los Angeles because I don't think they're going to... Yes, we are assuming both of those teams are out and we're only using from the, the pool Oklahoma City, Utah, New Orleans, San Antonio, and Minnesota. So of those five teams, there's three I want to see and two I don't want to see. The three I want to see are Utah. I don't know how they're going to react to another postseason, especially when Donovan Mitchell is a rookie and that's his first playoff experience. I think they do have a tendency to go on dry spells from the offensive end of the floor. And Ricky Rubio has never made the playoffs either. So they're playing extremely well. And I know it's hard to beat them in their arena, but I think talent for talent that could be our, our best bet. I also really would like to see the Spurs if Kawhi is not playing. Oh, yep. I think that goes goes for saying. Um, but even if he... The narrative would, would be the best. Yes, but even if he does come back... And he's going to be rusty. He's going to be rusty as fuck. So I think there's still... The Spurs, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, are at their most vulnerable since... Tim Duncan was drafted. I mean, it's been that long since you really felt like this team was vulnerable. They are amazing at home. So that's going to be another thing that could push a series to seven. And then lastly, I would really like to see the Minnesota Timberwolves because one, you've got Jimmy Butler who's banged up. He's going to try to come back. I don't think that's a smart business decision um, coming from somebody who saw Brandon Roy do the exact same thing. This team is not playoff tested. Uh, Thibodeau has ran his starters into the ground the entire season. Uh, their bench is god-awful if you can somehow contain Jamal Crawford. And I, I just don't know if they're going to be ready for the postseason. Uh, I think they... I don't know if you can count on Andrew Wiggins either. And, and you're seeing all these whispers of him being uh, upset with the third... Third... Like, uh, third... Uh, option role. So. That's him. That, he is a, a max third option best player in your team. Mm-hmm. The teams I don't want to see um, in order, I do not want to see the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know we're 3-0 against them this year, but they... So if we're talking about talent for talent, they can match us. And, and they have length. They have length. Uh, I do love that they cannot shoot the three. I think that is going to be a detriment to them in the postseason, but any, Russell Westbrook still has the ability to take over a game. Paul George has the ability to take over for a game. Uh, they are really good at home. That's the over, overarching theme is it's going to be so – whoever can win on the road is going to win the series because every team really mm-hmm. right now in the West is playing amazing basketball at home. 
Um, and then I also don't want to see the Pelicans. One, I don't want to put that on you. I think that would be, <laughs> I don't think that would be a fun playoff series for you to watch. And um, we really don't have a, a great answer for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Drew Holiday is playing pretty good ball right now. Um, I do think Portland could win, but those factors are just too much. I would rather play those three other teams than, than those yeah, two. I, what do you, what do I, you think? I, I asked Stu, friend of the show, like, would Holy Backforce listenership go up or down for that? Because, again, it's going to be tough for me to choose who I root for. I don't think I could say who I could root for in that situation. I mean, I'm just saying, Dag, like, that's going to be tough for me. But there's going to be no other Blazers uh, Blazers show that can give as much analytical information about the pelicans of the holy backboard if those two teams play, play each other there's no like no one like i've watched i think how many like 70 games of the pelicans or however many games they've played i've watched like damn near all of them so it's like there's no one that's gonna learn the pelicans and their roster and the configuration and their scheme and all that shit in the, in the time that it takes for the playoff series so like the information we could provide is going to be pretty crazy, but me mentally, I don't want to see that at what all. You want to see? I, I really, I, I would love for that narrative of the Spurs and then the Blazers, just because of the way Lamarcus kind of acted, where he said he was going to be the best, wanted to be the best Blazer of all time, then bounced. Like I, I think that narrative and how hyped the Blazer fans would be is going to be, would be my number one. I think Jazz, just because it's all on Donovan Mitchell, and if we can make his life shitty, we pr- we'll probably get the, the dubskies, and then just because CJ defends Wiggins at a real, like, a surprisingly good rate, I wouldn't want to see the, I, I would I would welcome the, uh, the Tumblewolves into Another thing to look at is both the Spurs and the Wolves are abysmal on the road this year, 14 and 22. So if you have home court advantage, you really just have to win your four at home. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to be tough on the old ticker to take a game seven at, you know, at the, at the, at the, in the Rose Garden, but that's, that's why you have home court advantage. So looking at the Clippers and the Nuggets for a, a quick second, if you're a Denver fan, one, how disappointed are you that you're in this position? And two, is it time to get a new general manager? Because someone pointed this out on Twitter. Rudy Gobert was drafted by the Nuggets, traded on draft day to the Jazz. Donovan Mi- 2013. Donovan Mitchell essentially was drafted by or it was a draft day trade that sent Trey Lyles and the Tyler Lydon. Yeah, think and the draft rights of Tyler Lydon for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you just helped a division rival twice, twice, <laughs> and gave them cornerstone type players. And I don't know. I, I think I didn't think the Nuggets would make the the playoffs at the beginning of the year because they lacked an alpha, but. With all of the, the ESPN hoopla that they're the new Nuggets and, you know, Jokic is so great and, you know, triple-double this and, you know, Gary Harris's defense that, you know, all all of that. You've got to be really upset, I think, if you're 
if you're a Denver fan, because this was supposed to be, you know, you go out and you sign Paul Millsap. Yes, I know he was hurt for a few months out of the year, but... Trey Lyles was, became, like, a legitimate threat in that I time. Mean, the Emmanuel Moutier pick did not turn out well for you, and you don't really have a true point guard. You let Jameer Nelson go to sign Richard Jefferson, who doesn't play. It just feels like they're a nice team, but, you know, if you... They're just terrible on the road. They don't have that alpha. I, I would just not... I wouldn't be super stoked if I was a Denver fan. And then the Clippers, watching that game tonight, they have got a lot of good pieces, but a lot of pieces that just don't fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, DeAndre Jordan played like half of the game. They don't do well when DeAndre is on the court. They do well when they bring in Boban and Montrez Harrell. I mean, that bench is just nasty. Then you got Lou Will, um, who's taking a lot of jump shots. And if he's, if he's hot, they're a tough team. But then you look at their starters, like, what are they going to do once Gallo gets back? Because Gallo and Tobias Harris are essentially the the same same player. Mm -hmm. They have no shooting guard. They have, I mean, starting. Lou Williams is a very excellent um, sixth man. Their point guard situation is just abysmal. Well, it's a 30-year-old rookie. There's not really... And Austin Rivers. And and a beat-up Pat Bev. I mean, I just... They... I think that they're like they have way too many B minus players. I, I think they're really going to regret not moving DeAndre at the trade deadline because if I'm DeAndre, I'm not re-upping there. I've made enough money. I mean, they're. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They, I've watched quite a few Clipper games down the stretch, and he's not. He hasn't been part of those victories. I mean, there's. It's just a weird collection of talent. You know, I think they probably won the Blake Griffin trade just because of contracts and because of getting that first round pick. Also, they might have a shooting guard, but they might have to pay for him. I forgot Avery Bradley. He's been hurt, but again, you're going to have to pay for him. And I, I don't know if the Clippers are really at that point where they should be overpaying for a veteran. Like, I think they... They really should start hitting that re- that that reset button. You know that Lou Williams team friendly deal is great. He should be a great tradable asset. I know their owner wants to win big time. He's very passionate, but I, I don't see. It. I think that's a team that's going to have to hit the reset button. I mean, you talk about Connolly, uh, who's the president of basketball operations. If that if Nuggets fired him. I'd want him to be the Blazers general manager. Like he, uh, for me, he he's my you guy. I would, I would trade that pick. You you cannot Tyler Wyden for Donovan Mitchell. Oh, he fucked up. He that's fucked, that, that, he that's completely... an unfuckable thing. Like you cannot go back and. But but I I, I thought there was a like a like didn't weren't they supposed to trade that for uh, Kevin Love? But then the Cavs backed out. Even that, you don't need Kevin Love. You signed Paul Millsap. You, I don't know, man. Some like, well, no, that will make or break a GM's career. Donovan Mitchell, I think he's going to break a lot of GM's hearts. Detroit, we just saw Luke Kennard, shifty player, really good shooter. That team would be dynamite with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell is the type of player he is so good that you're going to lose your job because you didn't pick him. That's absolutely true, but there's a lot of luck involved in absolutely. in basketball. Absolutely, and so, so if that trade happened, they wouldn't have spent the money on Paul Millsap. So I, I don't know. I 
I would be very happy with holy shit, what's his name again? Tim Connolly. But yeah, though what happened in real life really fucked them over. And like it is a total real thing that uh he Connolly and then his GM could get fired for that. And but I mean that Rudy Gobert, did you really think Rudy Gobert was going to be that good? I didn't think Giannis was going to be that good either, but they <laughs> yeah. were. And that's... Yeah, they... I'm just saying, like, even if you didn't think they were going to be that good, they were, and you made those trades. And, you know, you also took Emmanuel Moutier, who's not a, a NBA caliber player. I mean, you did well. I will give him credit. He did well by trading Doug McDermott and getting the draft rights to Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris, but what, is, Harris. what did they do? They trade a first-round pick and Yusuf Nurkic for Mason Plumley. Ooh, and on top of that, they signed Mason Plumley for fourteen million dollars. Sage, the more I talk about it, the more I I'm not sure how this dude has a job. Like he has made catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. Like that team could be legit. I think Tim's a good GM. Um, real life has kicked his ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's luck. I remember vividly that. Golden State wanted to sign Dwight Howard. Him not signing with Golden State helped make that dynasty. Luck and luck with trading and free agents is a big thing, and I don't. I think Denver got hit in the nuts a few times. I mean, that's that. Them's yeah. the rules, though. Yeah, being a GM is hard. You know, man. I. <laughs> I wasn't thinking like he was a bad GM until I started like reeling off all of these terrible moves and you're like, God damn, people get mad at Neil O'Shea, but holy shit, like just going down the list and you can see why they're outside looking in like this team, everyone had them as a lock to make the playoffs and they could, but their schedule was so brutal coming up and they, and they're playing so many away games at Memphis, you know, Memphis had lost 18, (laughs) 19 straight Memphis didn't even want to win that game. And you still found a way to lose. I didn't. I didn't watch that game at all. Did who? Who played? Did Tyreek just go? I just bought. Yeah, I, I'm not. You couldn't <laughs> pay me to watch a Denver Memphis game this time of the year. I'm all about the Blazers and teams that I worry about. Denver, I'm sorry. I don't worry about you. So Denver is now lo- no longer worried about. No, Denver is no longer worried about. Do we have to play them one, one more time, more time this year? Denver, and we owe them. We owe them. We let one slip away last time we were in the Mile High City. Was it with the without Dame and uh, Joker just went? No, it wasn't Joker. Crazy that was the Portland game. No, Jamal Murray had a good game. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, shit. Let's take. Got any more riffs? Let's, let's take a quick commercial break from our, our wonderful sponsor, and then let's chat about the upcoming slate of games and see if Portland can stay red hot and rolling and extend the second longest winning streak in franchise history. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Rosetta Stone is offering a 24-month subscription for less than $8 a month. Rosetta Stone continuously sets the standards in learning to enable people to change their world, and its dedication to improve learning by making it more effective, accessible, and engaging. To try Rosetta Stone today, go to www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard. Again, that's www.rosettapodcast.com slash holybackboard for your special offer to Rosetta Stone. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here on a Sunday night chatting about the amazing Blazers after an incredible victory over the Los Angeles Clippers, 13 straight victories, the second longest in franchise history. Sage, it's kind of funny, 16, the end of the season in 91. So that was also the year we won 63 games. Um, it's kind of funny that the 13-game winning streak in 07-08 was the second longest because I remember that season vividly. I was my first as a season ticket holder. I was a junior at Portland State. We had obviously lost Greg Oden for the year in the summer, and there were no expectations at all on this team. And it was so fun to see a young team come together and really just shocked the world and that was a year where we ended up 41 and 41 we didn't make the playoffs but we were third in the northwest division and it was like oh shit next year with odin watch the fuck out we're gonna kick everyone's ass and it didn't happen that way but i will remember that streak because it was it was just so unexpected i mean we're talking about it starting off in Memphis with Travis Outlaw hitting, you know, a running bank shot from the right wing, 18, 17 feet out, and just starting his Mr. Fourth Quarter persona. And then you've got us going on the road, beating the Jazz uh, by eight, and then we won in Denver. And this was back when Denver had Carmelo and Kenyon Martin. Um, they were just a handful. And and, and we won that game, I distinctly remember, without LaMarcus Aldridge, Channing Fry stepped in, and I was at work, and I was following along on my phone. And we just, we kind of kicked their ass, and then, you know, Brandon Roy had the mini Jordan uh, up and under like he did against the Lakers in Game 1 of the 91 Finals. He did that against Chris Bosh and the Raptors. You know, we had a Christmas Day victory over the Seattle Sonics. Uh, Travis had an amazing jam over Rodney Carney against the Philadelphia 76ers. That was the 13th and final victory of that span. And then who could forget, uh, Brandon Roy could not play the second half of a game against the Utah Jazz, and Martel Webster put up 24 points in the third quarter, and unbelievable. Just incredible run. But to me, that run felt like what this team could be. It didn't really feel sustainable, so so to speak. I mean, we were shooting a lot of jump shots. Back when Charles Barkley was still critiquing teams for shooting a lot of jump shots, we really had no inside presence. Uh, LaMarcus was just, you know, second-year player. Chris Billa was not really known for his offensive, you know, repertoires down low. But this time around, Sage, it feels a little bit more real. Um, I feel like we have a legit superstar in Dame Lillard. I feel like our defense has been so incredible. We have much more depth, I think, than, than that 07-08 team. And we've had some big boy wins. I mean, we're talking about Golden State twice, Minnesota, OKC, you know, at Utah. But the list really goes on. And for us to keep this streak going, it... it before we get onto the streak, I have a, there is a fan question from me. I saw on Twitter that you said Brandon Roy is not in your top ten Blazers of he's all my, time. He might even be my top fifteen. 
I would love for you. I, I'm very happy you didn't expound on it on Twitter. Why do you, in your opinion, is Brandon Roy not in your uh, top 10 or 15? A few reasons. One, he really only had one elite year in Portland. That was 0809 when he was the second team all NBA. Yes, I know he was a three time all star. Two, the injuries. Longevity counts for me when I'm thinking of, you know, favorite Blazers because you have, you know, season after season of watching somebody play and, you know, he just, he was hurt and it sucked. Um, There's nothing he could control. Like, he gave us great years, but the fact remains, he, he was dinged up a, a lot of his, his career. Um, Three, the winning. We... We never really got out of the first round of the playoffs. It never got past a game six. And so it just felt like we were always hovering above mediocrity. And it's not Brandon's fault, but that whole era, I think, goes down for me as just a little forgettable because of the what if factor and the whole rise with us mantra with, you know, getting Greg Oden, you know, passing on Kevin Durant, Brandon's knees giving out. And, you know, just just everything that, that went with that. There's so much potential with that squad. And don't get me wrong, it was some of my, I think the 08-09 season and 07-08 were some of my most enjoyable teams to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave you joy, just not enough. But it wasn't Brandon, though. Like, Travis was always my guy on that team. Also, um... Last but not least, Brandon would never adapt his style of play. Something that I think we don't give Damian Lillard enough credit for. Dame will either slow it down or push it up when need be. Brandon did not want to go quick. He wanted to slow the tempo down, and he could not play with another ball-dominant guard. Uh, when we signed Andre Miller, we brought the dude off the bench so Steve fucking Blake could start because Brandon felt more comfortable with Steve Blake playing. That Well, then... Didn't the coach also, like, that was what he wanted well, to run? Brandon was essentially an extension of Nate McMillan. So Nate McMillan does want to go slow, but Brandon was like, yes, I want to keep it slow. And when Andre Miller, up to that point, was one of our biggest free agent signings of all time, and he's coming off the bench for Steve Blake because Brandon Roy didn't want to, you know, play with another guard, that had to have the ball. So that, so that, that shit pissed me off. I'm not going to let that shit piss me off. That's awful, bro. Uh. Yeah, but so he's he's maybe top 15, but definitely not top 10. There's been too many other good Blazers. I mean, the Blazers have been around since the 70s. Thank you. So, <laughs> so if we want to... So is Brandon Roy in, like, the... Where is he in the, like... Tears like is well, he Billy Ray Bates status or what? Well, like about Billy Ray. In terms of my favorite players, in no order. Obviously, the first six that come to mind are the early '90s Blazers. You know, the starting five with Drexler, Porter, Kersey, Buck, and Duck, plus Uncle Cliffy as a six man. That was the team that got me into basketball. That was my childhood team. So those six are always going to be cemented there. Um. I did not obviously see them play live, but watching footage, Maurice Lucas and Bill Walton, absolutely. Just incredible talents. Um, amazing players. So there's there's eight. Then we want to move up in, into uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. Rasheed Wallace was my dude. That guy was as real as it gets. Uh, Arvita Sabonis. 
such an amazing talent. Um, Brian Grant, heart and soul of the Blazers. There's three more right there. There's 11. Travis Outlaw, who I mentioned, was one of my favorites for a long time. There's 12. Dame, CJ, um, 13 and 14. And then it probably gets to, you know, maybe a Brandon, maybe a, a Scotty Pippen, probably Brandon, Steve Smith. Um, and then you look back at, at some of some of the guys in the 70s. So he's he's around the 15, 16 range for me. Nothing against Brandon. I know a lot of people love him. I I will say that I was amazed by how clutch he was, and I loved how clutch he was, but there's just like I said, it's there's been so many players that have came through this franchise. We've been a, a franchise for forty God, forty eight years. And you had a lot of great teams and there's every person has a, a player that's sentimental to them. I have, you know, those are mine, like a lot of great memories watching Brandon, but there's just other players that, that I've enjoyed more. And the, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, we all have an opinion. <laughs> I, I saw on Twitter, people were not pleased with it. So I thought we should address well, I it. I think there are a lot of <laughs> Blazer fans that, that came back to the team once he was, Drafted. Yeah, that like that era of Blazer fandom, like was like that's where a lot of people said, "Oh yeah, the Blazers play, and I like them, so I'm gonna ride with but them." But for again. someone like me, I rode through the fucking teams when Sebastian Telfair and Hassan Jin were out there playing the pick and roll against the Lakers. Like, so it was never that full revival. Like, I was still with that team. Like, that's been my squad since day one. I'm never going to let yeah, them go. Yeah, A1 day exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Brandon was great. But, just, I, I have a few others, so. Also, also, I mean, yeah. the whole, is Damian Lillard versus Brandon Roy, that, that debate died once Damian hit that shot against Houston. I think you have a more legitimate argument for, for Damian Drexler. I still think it's Drexler. I don't want to... But, yeah, but I'm Drexler's, saying that's more of an argument yeah. to me than Dame or Brandon Roy. Fair enough. Let's preview the games for this upcoming week. Oh, it is... <laughs> it's rough out here. A doozy. We've got three. Houston on Tuesday. Boston on Friday. Both in the Rose City. And then Portland kicks off a three-game road trip at Oklahoma City on Sunday. Sage, what do the Blazers have to do to beat the Rockets? Bosnian beast. I don't think... If he comes correct and plays hard and provides what he did last year against the Rockets, I think we have a much better chance at winning because Clint Capella, he's great, but he's not big enough to guard him. And then Nene, you can't depend on him to play good minutes against like a motivated Nurkic. So I think if Nurk comes correct, and we'll be able to know how Nurk is playing within like the first five minutes. If he's focused and wanting this victory, I think that gives us a much better chance. I would say that's definitely a major key. If I'm looking at my three things, one, Damian Lillard. Hopefully he's a proud papa by that by that day. His baby boy is due uh, tomorrow, actually. So, you know, best of luck to Dame and his girlfriend there. When you're playing an elite team like Houston, Dame's got to go bananas. Like, Dame and CJ, they just have to be lights out. I mean, that's the case when we beat Golden State twice. That's an easy one for me. You already took Nurkic, so I'm going to find two others. The other one, make their terrible defenders 
have to play defense. If Ryan Anderson is going to be out on the floor to space and shred, get him in the pick and roll. Make him play mm-hmm. defense. And There's no way he's going to... He'll try, but he's just not laterally quick enough to defend that uh, Zach, Zach Collins, Damian Lillard pick and roll, for instance. It not worth Mike, Mike D'Antoni's while, like, essentially. Like, he's going to have to say, okay, Ryan, you, you got to go because you're... We got to have PJ yeah, you're in. doing more harm than good. And then, lastly, I think defensively, you can't help with this team. You have... No, that that's what they you want. You have to find... I would say Mo Harkless and Evan Turner have to shadow James Harden at all times. Absolutely. And I, I watched the majority of their game against Minnesota, and when they get busy, it's when they're they're spreading the floor and they're shredding the defense, and they're getting mm-hmm. the guys open looks from three. And when Minnesota made their run, it was Houston really going iso ball, a lot of dribbling, um, a lot of one five iso, just spread the floor and let Harden or Paul go one on one and. It was effective, effective enough to win, but Minnesota really got back in the game. We have to really do a great job of switching the pick and rolls, fighting over screens, keeping mm. them off the foul line, and really home court advantage. Like the arena needs to be hype. Like this is we have to treat this as a playoff game because this I think is going to be aside from the Golden State game on that started the win streak, the hardest test for, for this Trailblazers team. Um, Sage, what is your prediction? I think I think discipline defense is a huge thing. Just because, like the whole the whole D'Antoni system is predicated around a guard that can break down the defense and then either score because everyone's spread out or kick it to the shooter. It ha- that have to be disciplined. I know it's so tempting to try and help when Evan Turner gets blown by on a you know, a pick and roll or whatever, but you can't leave Trevor Ariza open. All he wants to do is shoot threes. You can't leave Eric Gordon open on a catch and shoot. Absolutely not. Like Chris Paul, when he's in a catch and shoot situation can knock down threes. Everybody can knock down threes. So if you, if you make that, if you try and help on that, that, that drive, James is going to pick out that shooter. Chris Paul, you know damn well it's going to kick out to that shooter. So it's about discipline defense as well as communication when, you know, the pick happens. You yell switch or you yell ice. It's about communicating with them, playing on that string that is so important. Um, I know we're playing great. Houston makes it look real easy. I think it's possible we win, but I'm going to say the Rockets win. I think Portland's going to win because we want it more. This game means more to us. Houston knows they have the one seed all but locked up. Golden State is dinged up. you got Kevin Durant with the ribs, Steph Curry with the ankle, Clay Thompson with the thumb. They are all sidelined for at least two weeks before they get reevaluated. They already have a three-game lead on them in, in the standings. And Houston has an unbelievably easy homestand coming up, a five-game homestand after this Portland performance. I know Houston's going to go into it trying to win, but if Portland comes out with a punches them in a the desperation mouth. mentality that this game is, you know, for everything, I think they're going to win the game. Uh, I, it's going to mm. be one of those where you look back and just like, how the fuck did they do it? But never underestimate Damian Lillard's leadership and determination. 
I think it's going to be one of the tougher games uh, of this stretch, but it's just one of those where I, I think Houston, they have a tendency to relax a little bit, and if Portland can put their foot down and really execute and go to Yusuf Nurkic, and if Nurkic is finishing, we could have, you know, win number 14. I would really love to be there to see Portland get this, the win that puts them into the second longest win streak in, in franchise history. Uh, moving on, Portland is taking on the Boston Celtics, a team that has injuries. injuries. You know, Kyrie's, you know, got a sore knee. Jalen Brown took that nasty fall. Marcus Smart also has a fractured uh, thumb. And they're, they, they, more or less, they are locked into that two seed. Six games ahead of Cleveland, five games behind mm. Toronto, with only 12 to go. Be very surprising if they fall anywhere less than two. two. And yeah. they are also kind of struggling right now, especially with all of those injuries. And Portland will be hosting them on, on Friday. They will have two ga- two days uh, of rest. This is a game where it's hard to predict because we don't know who, who's going to play. I would be very surprised if, obviously, Marcus Smart is out. I would assume Jalen Brown's still probably going to be out for quite some time. Kyrie, I, I don't know. Even if Even yeah. if Kyrie plays... I think this is a game that Portland, they're going to remember how they blew it in Boston on Super Bowl Sunday. And I think this could be a blowout. I think Portland could blow the hell out of the Boston Celtics because like Houston, we have a chance to really take advantage of their front court. Al Horford Hmm. is a good player, but Nurkic is bigger. But, I mean, is he going to be motivated to play this game? He has to. His defense looked, he looked pretty great tonight. Yeah. He looked good against Detroit. You know, he kept, Andre yep. Drummond is the league's leading rebounder. He did work keeping Dre off the glass. I would say he I does think- need to stay out of quick foul trouble, which has got him in trouble against Detroit and Los Angeles in the first half. Do you think we make the switch uh, in our uh, starting five, put Chief at the three, and then maybe Ed at the four to combat against uh, Aaron Baines? No. I think I, Chief I think The Chief reason I say it... Al Horford for a little bit, not for the whole game. Baines, I think you could almost go four on five. Let him roam. Use, use Nurk to help really clog that paint. Maybe let Chief be the guy who's roaming really throw some looks at, at Boston because if Aaron Baines is your starting five, like, that dude should not be starting in today's NBA. I I watched him today wreck havoc against Emeka and uh, uh, Czech Diallo. He's, he's one of those hustle guys that uh, might be a little too big for Chief to defend, but I don't think it's a blowout just because Boston's really well coached. They play tough defense. Yeah, them out. I, yeah, and this is how they the Blazers are gonna get their win. They're gonna fight hard for three quarters, and then Portland is just gonna outgun them in the fourth, and it's gonna look worse than it actually was. Just because Kyrie's out, uh, Smart's out, Brown, they don't have it. I and Jason Tatum does scare me. I don't know how we're gonna defend him well. Mo, but I've Mo's been playing some great. I, I, 
I, I think they're gonna. I, I think the Blazers are gonna win, but it's not gonna be a blowout. I'll go blowout. I, I just, I have. Hey man, I, I have a feeling. I, li- I like the fact that I you're have doing a it. Feeling. Um, last but not least, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Portland is gonna go for the season sweep. It could still have major playoff implications. It could have seeding implications. It could have division tiebreakers. Tie yeah, we all we already have the tiebreaker over them. We're up three zero. But it could. It could have division. The division, division championship <laughs> could be on the line. This one worries me so, so very much. It's tough to sweep a team, bro. And they're going to be ready for it. They don't want to get embarrassed by a, a rival team. They're going to come out playing tough. And at home. And you know the Oklahoma City like faithful are going to be cheering them on. Russ is going to get juiced. I think we got to play our game and play Blazers basketball. Don't get caught up in the physicality of the game. Don't let Steven Adams get in your head nerk. And if we play our game and don't get caught up in like the emotion of it, because it is like a rivalry game. They are our division rival. This could potentially be for the champ, like the, the Northwest Championship. Uh, but, I, oh man, it is so tough to sweep a team, and this team has some talent. They do. I think <sighs> yeah. the key to beating the Thunder is let Russ shoot the ball a lot. He shot... <laughs> get, make, get him 40 attempts or something? He got 31 attempts last game. Melo will probably be playing, but Chief does such a great job on him, and we also have um, yep. uh, Mo Harkless to defend Paul George. I think two keys for me... The bench production, Portland has to win that battle of the bench. The, the Oklahoma City Defender might have the worst bench of any playoff team in the league. And my other factor is three-point shooting. We have to win from the, the three-point line because Paul George is traditionally a, a good you know three-point shooter this year especially, but nobody else on that roster really, like I think... Yeah, I think Russ actually shoots pull-up threes. Like, at least there was some crazy stat I heard, like 15%. Like, just an unbelievably bad rate from pull-up threes. And he likes to take those momentum plays. So if Portland can weather that storm, you know Oklahoma City is going to come out gunning. They're going to want it. Put them in the pick and roll. Let CJ work on Brewer. You know, let Dame do his thing when he needs to do it. And... Just is it a CJ game? Yeah, twenty eight last time. I mean, we we beat them by eight points last time with Chief going one of seven, Nurt going four of eleven, Dame going five of eighteen. Like we got a lot of this was the Zach Collins game, and I think we could see mm. more from Zach Collins. That pick and pop capability could really spread the floor. Uh, we're going to need Ed Davis to get get those boards over Stephen Adams. Um, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say a 3-0 week. Blazers essentially Damn. lock up the third seed with a 3-0 week, beating Houston, Boston, and Oklahoma City. I'm going 1-2 week. That, it's tough. Man. Like, that four times in a... That, that, that's a tough That's a tough ask. It's a tough ask winning it's the last definite, 13, too. Uh, hey, bro. You got me there. <laughs> so, if everything goes your way... We are on a 16-gamer yep. going into next Sunday against... Not Sunday. Monday against... Uh, Tuesday. God damn it. I am not good with names. 
I like it. I love it. Um, you ready to wrap this bad boy up? I am. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please give us that five star review. Leave us a, a you know a wonderful comment. We would love to hear your your feedback. As always, thank you for listening. You guys are the reason we do this. Uh, you can find this podcast at Holy Backboard on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now on Tuesdays from 2 to 3 p.m. on Dash Radio. I have to say, um, so Friday, I streamed myself playing 2K. The, the idea was for me to do the Trailblazers takeover. But when I was doing the draft class, I picked 2019 instead of 2018, and I was not prepared for it. And being the broadcast professional that I am, I said, fuck this. I'll do this again next week. But I attempted to do the Blazers takeover. I ended up with a a coaching staff of shit. Who's the ex-Grizzlies coach that I like? Dave Fisdale. Dave Fisdale and Rod Adams is our coaching staff. But once I realized I fucked up with the draft... And Lucas Duda was, Lucas, uh, uh, the, the, the Euro small forward was, yeah, was the first pick. I was like, oh, I made a great mistake. I don't know this draft like I know the other one. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stream that Wednesday and actually be careful with all the buttons that I press. But yeah, I attempted to do it. It was a good stream though. I was very funny, but yeah, fucked up. But, uh, go Blazers. I hope it's a 3 0 week. Let's go, Portland. Red hot and rolling. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!